Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Casual Cognition. We got another great episode coming in for you hot today. Start off the conversation talking about competition in art. Then we move on to tackle the concept of resistance and how to crush it. Mostly just talk about struggling against it but you know uh and yeah this is kind of weaved in throughout the conversation but we finish it off talking about some of Stephen Pressfield's work most notably the war of art and turning pro and without further ado please enjoy What's up, buddy? Nate, we're back. We're back. Everybody, welcome to the cast. Welcome. Even though we already welcomed you in the introduction, probably. <laughs> I mean, I tried to. Mm. So what have you been up to today, Hank? What have I been up to? All right. I... Um, not so much today. It's been pretty relaxed, but I did a little, little, um, yoga and meditation this morning, did some creative practice, did some songwriting, um, and practicing a little geet. Um, I'd say that's something. I... Went in the sauna, which is just such a blessing. Uh, and I also watched the a little bit of the finals of the FTX Crypto Cup, which is a chess uh, <laughs> chess event that was going on that happened to show up on my YouTube. I should have known, but it sounds like you. Uh... You got some got some work in there smashing through some resistance. Definitely, definitely. Although I will say that um, I also yielded to resistance quite a bit today as well. So it's it's just a constant struggle, dude. It's it's never it's never over. I was about ready to before this podcast. I was I was about ready to throw this fucking thing against the wall. I was pissed. I had a uh, for the listeners. I had a technical difficulty that almost prevented us from recording and possibly would have prevented me from being able to edit tonight and I was really fucking upset about it I couldn't figure it out and I was just like no man I'm just gonna keep at it I'm gonna keep messing around couldn't find anything online and eventually played around with things enough to get it working kind of kind of jury rigged it but it's uh it it is we're capable of recording the cast and that's what uh that's what getting through it's all about is perseverance but we're going to get into that resistance stuff here in a bit because I wanted to talk to you Hank about something else to start off with this cast get this thing going 
It's something I've been thinking about a little bit lately because I have been, I've been kind of like maybe not hanging out with, but I've been taking in some other artists more and interacting with other artists more lately. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, through, through Twitch, through Discord, talking to them, done a couple of interviews, and I've been obviously checking out the interviews that you've done with people. And I, I've, I've been, obviously I, I've taken in art and artists through podcasts and interviews in the past, but lately I've been actually myself interacting with, with them a bit more and trying to engage with smaller artists a bit more. And there's, I've noticed that there's a lot of things that come up when you're um when you're doing that and you know obviously there's the the admiration and there's the um possibly a little bit of jealousy a little bit of inspiration a little bit of uh woe <laughs> because you're not you're nowhere near where they are maybe or something like that um, or even maybe a little bit of smugness if you think that you're better than them. <laughs> you know, there's lots of things that come up. And it got me thinking a little bit about the concept of competition in art. Because, thankfully, in this particular space of being a podcast host, you don't really compete with people all that much. You're more like competing with all media everywhere for their attention but it's not a matter of someone else doing badly it's about you doing well so you get to stay outside of it a little bit but I think that there's a big aspect of competition in art because of that attention aspect and and because of the uh the nature of human beings to want to be better than each other so I especially wanted to hear your thoughts on this as a, a an aspiring singer-songwriter who's just getting started in some real steps toward professionalism. I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on competition in art and in specifically maybe in professional art as well. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting question and, you know... For me, like, I like competition. I, I I know a lot of people, especially these days, competition has become, like, a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's got a little oh. bit of a negative connotation to it. Yeah, it has a little bit of a negative connotation Outside these of sports, days. of course. And, well, That's even in sports, I've heard... Yeah, but I but I've heard more and more people talking about how that's like a negative thing somehow and for me like competition particularly in sports like of course if you take it too far it can be a negative thing but I don't think it's inherently a negative thing. Uh I have found so much joy in being challenged through competition. Uh I love competing. It's extremely fun. However, when it comes to art, for me, like there's 
like being in that that like competitive mindset is just it's only going to be bad. Because the problem with it is like if you start to if you start to compare yourself to everyone else, you're already going to lose because there's always going to be somebody that's better in some way that you can like I, it's it's almost beyond like you know you of course you want to strive for excellence like we all want to get better technically and we want to get better at expressing ourselves but like at the end of the day for me the the enemy is within and if we if we are always focused on trying to beat out everyone else and trying to raise ourselves up and put everyone else down first of all nobody wants to work with somebody like that that's just like it's so whack to to be like that uh and it's also it's just like it's just a very like egoic approach um in my in my estimation and i i just feel like it doesn't it's it doesn't help to be creative like it's it's externalizing uh the enemy when the enemy is within and that so i think that's really the main danger and and you know it also depends on like how you're how you're doing it because of course there's there's competitions for uh, there's songwriting competitions, there's photography competitions, there's, you know, th there's all different kinds of stuff like that. And for so it's not like, oh, you shouldn't enter those like, no, it's not like that. But it's it's not about beating other people. It's just about pushing ourselves to become better and to. So that's kind of my way of thinking about it. Um because like yeah i don't know it's 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 not a it's it's not about like beating like what are you what are you even beating other people at you know like what is, what are you measuring is it just about measured like how many bucks, plays bro. you get measured in bucks <laughs> just kidding just kidding uh, <laughs> no, i i get what you're saying and and i you kind of nailed my main thing with it, which is the competition is essentially with yourself when it comes to art. And, you know, if you're playing a tennis match or a football game or basketball game, um, there's an aspect of, of, like, your opponent's performance, your opponent doing super well is going to, like, diminish your performance. Like if your if your opponent is way better than you in a tennis match, they're gonna have you running across the court. You're not gonna be able to set up shots. They're gonna be smashing your serve back at you. Like you're gonna get your ass kicked. Yeah. Or if if, somebody, if they're like way way beyond your skill level, yeah. right? And right. whereas in art and with some sports, um, weightlifting, like like professional like powerlifting, uh, actually comes to mind here. And I'll actually have something to say about that in a sec. Um, it's it's a lot more like you're competing against yourself, and yeah, you're you have like 
maybe you could consider them competition, but their performance doesn't diminish yours. Nothing they're doing is mm. going to affect what you can do with your instrument or with your voice or with whatever you're doing, your art in general. So I think that, you know, there can be a, a, a little bit of an aspect of competition in there, but it has to be mainly directed towards yourself. And if you're looking at someone else, you need to think of it as like an inspirational thing, like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. And you need, it, it needs to be like a, you need, you need to watch out for that jealousy aspect and, <laughs> you know, the hater aspect, basically. But funny enough, mm. what I've seen with, so far with in my experience with artists is that they're very encouraging and even if you're in the same space as them and you would maybe be considered their competition or something like that they're very kindly and encouraging and um, I was going to mention that that's what I've seen from like professional weightlifters too because they it's the same thing like they're they're competing against themselves and if you ever watch like a weightlifting competition, you see these guys like see somebody, you know, win the competition and break a record. Like every, all their competition is like super stoked and like hugging them and cheering and stuff. So it's like this encouraging, mm. um, this community based competition. And that's one thing that I really love about art is that you, you can have that competitive aspect against yourself and even against each other a little bit, but simultaneously be encouraging and happy when you see someone else succeed. And I know there's a lot of artists yeah. out there who fall into the jealousy trap of, uh, you know, especially when they get into like, oh, they're just a hack. You know, they're just doing this because that's gonna, that's that's what the people want. It's like, well, can you do it? <laughs> I mean... If, uh, if it's so easy, why don't you do it and make a little money and uh, then do what you want with, uh, with some extra dough in the bank or something. But usually, I think, I'm, I haven't experienced this a ton myself, but I'm guessing that most of the people that shit on other people for what they're doing probably are incapable of doing what they're doing, even if it isn't that, like, something that's amazing. Well, I mean, it's a completely fucking amateur move, yeah. right? Because, again, it's like, and it's so funny, this thing it's with projection, right? Because it's like, so you're going to focus on how much of a piece of shit this person is uh, because they are just, they only care about what people think and what's going to make money. And like, uh, I, you know, but I'm a real artist and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, dude, if, if you were a real artist, then you would be making art instead of complaining about the fucking hacks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm guilty of this stuff too. I'm not shitting on people outside of experience. And I mean, real if you're a pro, right? Like real, that's not even a thing. But yeah, I think that's uh, more of the distinction, right? If you're if you're a pro, then you just focus on what matters. You know that this is the fucking this is what we're fighting against, right? Like, and and for people who are just listening, I'm pointing to my head. Yeah, <laughs> pointing. 
Yeah, and like I've I've shit on musicians that I felt were a little hacky, but and then I've uh, over the years I've come to realize that like uh, they know ten times more about music than I do. <laughs> like, even if they are hacks, no matter what, like they're they're way better than I am. So it's like yeah, it's and, just, and that's like the thing said, is it's like just an amateur attitude to have, and it's completely non-productive. Yeah, and. and- yeah, not only that, but like the the thing with the hack is like you know, it actually sucks to be a hack. <laughs> yeah. By like, the way, hack so it's not like oh, they're somebody who like kind of prostitutes themselves for money through art, like it's like they they just they just do what is going to make the most money. So they pander to the audience. Yeah. They pander. They just... Lowest common denominator And basically... Stuff. Yeah, and, and basically, you know, and so a lot of the stuff, uh, just a little foreshadowing here, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff we're talking about today, you know, it comes from two different works from Stephen Pressfield, uh, The War of Art and Turning Pro. So this is kind of all in that same world. Uh, we're going to get more into that later, but, uh, you know, the thing, the thing with the hack is like, they don't need to be shit on because it sucks being a hack, you know, like you're fucking terrified (laughs) of being yourself and, and showing your true colors. Right. So you're just going to do whatever the market wants or whatever so like they don't need fucking they don't need amateurs and dilettantes like shitting on them for uh it's already it's like i guess what i'm saying is like it's already hell to be in that you know what i mean like they're yeah at least they're doing something right but it's i don't know it i it's i I don't know for sure, but it seems like a really gnarly place to be, like internally, you know. Because if you're doing that, you're you're like it's like you're selling your soul, dude. You're you're not allowing yourself to really say what you want to say. You're gonna you're gonna say what you think other people want you to say. You know what I mean? It's like it's such a uh, and and that I think it's partially from that competitive way of thinking about it right because if you're going for max monies or like plays or you know be like getting more attention than everyone else then you're just going to do what you think is going to maximize that so i think it could um, also i guess go my to point is target. is like i i guess my point is like it's just a weight. It's just a. It's another form of uh, of resistance. Yeah. To to like focus on that. And I was gonna say it could go the other way of like, like you're spending your time shitting on those people because you're obsessed with like, oh, I've got to be the best, the the best real artist, the best singer songwriter in the world and then you're still like focusing on like okay well who who defines that and it's like okay well i've i've chosen the selective amount of people who i define as real artists and if they think i'm great then 
Then I've made it. I don't care what the money says. I just care about what these people say. And mm. a lot of what Stephen Pressfield talks about is like, it's, it, it, you have to, it has to come from a place within you. Like you, you have to make it for yourself and from a place like deep within yourself. And if you make it from there, then it will actually be great. And it's never going to be great if you're, defining your self-worth and the worth of your art based on externals of any kind whether it's other people's expectations and opinions or it's money or it's views or whatever it is like you you have to it has to start from a place that is internal rather than external hmm. and that's why i kind of hesitate i i, I really I try to stay away from competition in art unless it's internal. And I always try to encourage and support people who are doing art and really like just try and and feel happy for them. Like I remember the I heard this great line in one of Eknath Ishwaran's books. I think it actually might have been from the Bhagavad Gita, but it was basically like, you'll know you've made it when the the sorrows of others become your sorrows and the successes of others become your successes. And, mm. you know, I I think you and I don't have too much of a hard time like empathizing with other people's suffering and feeling for, for people at least as long as they're within our orbit, especially. But I also like to try and practice empathizing with other people's successes and seeing mm. other artists do well and, and think like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so happy to see that. Like with Cosmo the other day, being in his uh, his mm. little show that went on, and it was it was really cool. He did a great job. And he is did his EP release, and it's amazing. He did an amazing job, and and the the music that he made, his new songs are incredible. So I was thinking like how happy I was to experience that. And if you can, if you can kind of like go into that with some intentionality, it's a really beautiful experience. You kind of feel the excitement of the, you know, one of your friends doing that, and the, I feel the same thing with you. I was like beaming from ear to ear the other day when you were telling me about some of the things that you've been doing. So I think that that's a a, a good way to try and interact with other artists is to try and empathize with their successes and get to know them a little bit. Mm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, because with this competition thing, like when it comes to being creative, it's so much more valuable to collaborate versus to compete, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, I, t I had the conversation with Vagar the, uh, yesterday. I don't know when we're going to release this, but like 
if I, I could, well, I mean, with my personality, it would, it just isn't really my style, but like I could easily, when I first met Vagar and started hanging out with him and like playing with him, I could have easily like perceived him as a threat because he was just like so much better at guitar and basically everything. (laughs) Right. So it's like, Oh, this guy's fucking, he's encroaching on my turf. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but instead of that, I was just like, Whoa, this dude is super fucking chill and he's extremely talented. So like, and he's like willing to share so it's it's obviously on his part too but like he is kind of in that same mindset so instead it's like oh wait we can actually collaborate and we can i can for sure learn a lot from him and you know what he got out of it from playing like with carl and i with uh, carl's my little bro um you know, he hadn't, Not like, so really been bro. playing very, very much. Uh, in my understanding, he wasn't, like, really playing so much music at that point. And he got, like, kind of re-inspired because Carl and I were both, like, so stoked about music. You know, we were still kind of... Um, I mean, Carl was, like, basically just starting out in a way. Uh, and I had, yeah, been going for a couple of years, but so, like... There was there's a there's a kind of synergy that happens uh, when you allow yourself to collaborate with a fellow artist rather than trying to destroy them and show how you're the fucking master or whatever bullshit <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, I gotta show these little shitheads how it's done. <laughs> gotta teach them. Instead of, oh, I'd love to teach them a few things. And, you know, that that, <laughs> that takes a two-way street because you have to have sure. the, like, the enthusiastic beginner. And that person has to, you know, want to be open to the instruction of the person who's better than them and not let their ego get in the way. And think like, oh, you know, I'm just not warmed up enough. I could do that. They're not that much better than me. <laughs> and so they have to put their ego aside and, and be willing to take instruction and probably ask for instruction. And then you have to have the more experienced person who's willing to be patient and, um, you know, empathetic to the beginner and generous with their their time and if both people do that, I think that both parties have a ton of fun and will learn a mm. lot because the experienced person, I think, will tend to learn a lot by teaching. And obviously the beginner Definitely. will learn plenty by getting taught and especially by just putting their egos aside in that way. So it's a mutually beneficial experience if both parties can do their part and what they need to do. And I think that that's a I think that's a common thing in in the art community. And it, it especially now that people are able to connect over the internet, 
I, I see so much willingness to teach and to learn from with people and so much encouragement. Um, obviously, there's the typical like negativity that you see on the internet, but usually when I see smaller artistic communities, somebody's being negative in some way, they usually kind of get like roundly booted from the conversation. If it's on Reddit, they just get downvoted a, a ton. And if it's on Discord, a lot of times they'll just get like moderated out or people will just be like, shut up, get out of here. And you know, people tend to not accept that in smaller artistic communities online, which I really appreciate. So I think that there's a lot of potential for us to like continue to build on on that theme of artists getting together and feeling a sense of collaboration rather than competition and also simultaneously a feeling of competition with ourselves that we're supporting each other with because we're all we're all in the same competition it's like we're all battling resistance <laughs> and we're all doing it at the same time we all need to help each other yeah so I completely agree and you know I was uh, I was gonna ask you like a competition with yourself like what what do you mean Nate <laughs> oh boy so but maybe you can kind of like give give our dear listeners a little introduction into resistance um, in in this particular context yes I Absolutely. So, resistance, Stephen Pressfield has a very cool view on it that I like, because he defines it as, as like a conscious thing, and he, he keeps it really open. He's got a spiritual side, which obviously, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that we really dig, and it's almost like a demon in the way that he talks about it and defines it. Yeah. And I, I really like that view of it, so I will, I will play around with that a little bit. But if that's not your thing, think of it as, like, maybe an instinctual draw towards comfort and the path of least resistance. Because, you know, we, we don't... Our bodies are designed to, as we talked about, and I think it was the last episode with you and me, Hank, um, depending on how this gets released, maybe the previous one before that. But it, it, it's, um, it's designed to, to live, to survive and propagate itself. So if you yeah, can... Yeah, like conserve energy yeah. and take the safe, the safe route, the, the easy way. Yeah. Yeah, so if you can just survive and propagate by sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and doing nothing else, then maybe that's what your base instincts are doing. So you can think of it on that more like biological level if you don't like the more spiritual stuff. But I really dig the thought of resistance as, as this conscious demon that you're struggling with. <laughs> and it's Honestly, like that feels more like what's happening. <laughs> it feels more real. Yeah, because because the the biological thing, like, of course, it's it's very useful and interesting to think about, like, the different mechanisms and, yeah, like we love the 
like the evolutionary perspective that whole thing is super cool but like when it comes to what it actually feels like it's a fucking demon dude like it's <laughs> it's it's a sh it's the shadow self that is trying at all costs to keep us from self-actualization and to keep us in the fucking darkness basically yeah that's and 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 you know the thing that i like about that is like it's it's extremely epic and that's exactly what the fuck is going on it's like need. it's a it's a life and death struggle but anyways i'll let you continue i just had to hop in there for a sec no you're good and i like that emphasis because part of the reason to categorize it in this way is to take it more seriously because it's very easy to dismiss our base instincts like that like oh yeah well yeah we all we all want to have sex of course you know and yeah we all want to be lazy of course it's easy to kind of get um a little complacent about that sort of way of thinking about it excuse me i have so many allergies today um it it's it helps me at least, and it may help you to think about it in a little bit more poetic terms. And when you think about it in this like demonic, villainous way, you can you can expand out your thought a little bit more. And it because it it's a it's a little tricky. Like you can get up the the willpower to go out and do your job and do various things, maybe do your chores. But the resistance demon, what it's trying to do is it's trying to keep you away from what is your sort of like calling in your life and your passion, what's going to be most fulfilling, your dharma. And it can, it can be... It, it can take a lot of different forms. One thing I want to emphasize is that this doesn't have to do with art, and the war of art is well-named but misunderstood by people who maybe haven't read the book because it, it goes way mm. beyond art. It goes into making businesses. It goes into fitness routines, spiritual practices. Yeah. Anything that is you know, discipline-based and requires some um, some putting off of immediate pleasures and, um, you know, self-control, things like that. Diets, another one. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that this can apply to, but yeah, it mostly boils down to, like, like you were saying, like self-actualization and, and improvement, becoming a better person and doing what we want to do in the world. And it's not something that, oh, yeah, if you're doing the thing that you're really, that you really should be doing, you'll experience resistance. You'll experience resistance in all of this stuff. And it will, it will permeate your life once you start to look for it. And well, I, I, I should say it already, it already is, is permeating your life and <laughs> yeah. you will see it permeating your life once you start to look for it. But w yeah. once you find that so, way, you will see it in a 
in, on a whole nother level and it will become a real internal struggle that you have to focus on and constantly fight against. Yeah, so to give people some kind of concrete ideas uh, with resistance, I think we can we can kind of go through some different examples and some different ways that resistance manifests. Yeah. Uh, we won't do all of it because for anyone who's like interested about, uh, about this, again, we're going to talk more about this a little bit later, but like the war of art and turning pro dive super deep into all of this stuff and more. So we cannot recommend those enough for anyone. They're not very long either, by the way. They're, they're very brief books. You can literally read them in an afternoon and also for a lifetime. Yeah. So anyone who's trying to either begin getting into their creative expression or is trying to, you know, find the path or who's struggling on it, I would highly recommend either and honestly both of those books. But so like resistance. Okay, so resistance takes many, many forms. Okay. Um it could be anything from um like we've talked about i think the one that we've mentioned the most uh which is a very potent form uh is like social media and media consumption in general there's also um like drug usage addictions of any any kinds whether it's uh controlled or uncontrolled substances food um sex um and and honestly just like a general like excuses a general it doesn't have to be so dramatic yeah it it can it can just be be a general lethargy just like i don't feel like it or making excuses or oh that doesn't matter or um procrastination it could be putting things on it could be yeah it's it really it it takes it can take any any form and it's it's honestly like it's the this is the thing it's so easy and we live in a in a culture today i see this more and more that i see people and they're just living in this victim mentality Everything is always somebody else's fault, right? It's that group or that fucking person or this event or my childhood, my parents, whatever. Like it's, there's so much of this thing of being a victim. And the more I look into this thing with resistance and the more I look into myself, the more I realize that the only fucking, the only enemy that I have is living inside my own skull. (laughs) Okay. And it's resistance. It's, it seriously is dude. Of course there are situations that happen in life 
that are not great. Of course, there are shitty people, but like the thing that throws us off is not the person that did the thing. It's the way that we react. There's a perfect example in, I think it was in an interning pro. Uh, he tells a story of Tiger Woods. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. In some fucking PGA, whatever the fuck, I don't know, you know, huge golf tournament, you know, and it's like getting laid into the game and he, it's like crunch time. It's like, you need to fucking hit everything perfectly from here or you're going to lose basically. And like, right when he goes for the swing, he pulls pulls back and he's about to blast the fucking ball and somebody snaps a picture right at the top of his swing and he manages to like pull pull Stops out the swing. which that alone is like extremely it's hard impressive if that anybody's he was able ever to done like golf it's not... hard to it's really hard to like mid swing like stop your swing yeah i apparently I had no idea about that because I don't know anything about golf, but apparently that's extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. But what was even more impressive was, you know, he turns around and looks at the fucking person and just gives them the fucking stink eye for just just a second. Just like, no. Yeah, didn't yell right? at him. Didn't make a big fuss. Didn't make a big deal. Didn't just turned around at him like, control. no, okay? no and then and he didn't even say anything like that's just what his eyes were saying like i'll fucking murder you if you do that again basically i won't pull my swing but, on your head buddy yeah so so already it's like wow that was pretty impressive he like maintained his composure somewhat he didn't completely fuck it up but here this is where that that's happened a million times that happens all the time. Or like somebody will say something or, you know, whatever. And that happens all the time. But the difference here is that most people, after that happens, they're fucking in their head. And they're like, oh, that fucking person, they're trying to fucking ruin my shit. And now, now I'm fucking all tilted and I'm going to fucking... <laughs> and then they fuck it up. <laughs> oh, right? Man. And now you have a perfect excuse Oh, it was that person's fault. They fucking ruined it for me. So now I have an ironclad excuse to fail. But Tiger was like, dude, no. I am going to fucking hit this shot because I am a pro. And he didn't he didn't let that nonsense get into his head and he fucking ripped it and he and he I don't know, whatever. He got, nailed went it. on to win the th He nailed it. He went on to win the thing. And to me, like, that's such a good illustration of, of this thing with resistance because at first glance, you think that the person snapping the picture is the enemy. But who knows? They could have just, you know, maybe it's their first time looking at a fucking golf tournament. They're like, oh my God, look, it's fucking Tiger Woods. And they take a picture, you know, like totally, they could be completely... Uh, not like you know, just naive, or maybe they were trying to yeah, fuck with him. Even if it was, but that's besides to the fuck point. With him, it doesn't matter. That's the key point there. Exactly, it doesn't matter. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's up to him how he responds to these external events. So he had 
whether he was conscious of it or not, he had a deep understanding that the enemy was is within, you know? Yeah. And I, I've experienced this resistance in a million different ways. And I was really happy that I, I read The War of Art because, I mean, besides it being a fantastic book, and um, Hank and I both reread it for this episode, and I realized that it's one of those books where when I first read it, I got something completely different out of it than when I re- just reread it mm. and because I was in a different place. When I first read it, I was just getting into art. And what it did for me was it defined what resistance was. And it explained the concept to me and, and gave me an insight on like like connecting all these disparate things. Like That's one thing that I, I think is really valuable about this particular concept is that you can have a um, an idea of all these little like bad habits and problems that are going on and they can get a little uh, overwhelming, and and they can seem mm. completely unrelated to each other. And like, oh, I've got to tackle each little thing over, and, and I've got to fix this, and I've got to fix this, and I've got to fix this. When resistance, the concept of resistance says that, well, that's actually like the same thing, just manifesting all over your life because you're not tackling it at the very root source, which is you're not pursuing the thing that truly is fulfilling to you in your life and is meaningful to you. And if you were to pursue that thing 100%, all those things would resolve themselves. And that's what I've noticed more and more as I get more and more into art, like, I got a lot of issues going on and yeah there's there's specific work that I have to do in certain things. I've got to do exercise on its own. I've got to work out. There's a resistance that comes along with that in and of itself. I've got I have to, you know, keep up with my diet and things like that. But if I am on it with my creativity and I'm really motivated with that. Like that's that's a, a huge foundation for me because it gives me a reason to do all the other things. And if if you have if you don't have a reason to do all this stuff, it becomes this like willpower and discipline drag where you're just doing things because well that's what I should do. That's what's healthy. And you're you're taking each task like without any context and it's just like uh <coughs> I'm doing this because it's what I should do whereas if you really get on fire with what you're you're really passionate about and I go I go through phases in this and I'm just I, I, I have a lot of work to do people I'm saying this as a fellow amateur uh, it gives you motivation to do the other tasks because if you do the other tasks then it allows you to do the thing that you really want to do. And that's where you rip resistance out at its roots. And um, Stephen Pressfield actually mentions this in, in one of the books. Um, 
where he sat down and did like a long writing session and got through his resistance on that. And then he found himself like doing the dishes and had enough energy to like do chores. And, um, you know, it, 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 that's, that's a perfect example of how getting through your resistance in where you should be, where it's really hitting you, will allow you to defeat it in all the other areas in your life. So I do want to just make it very clear for people. I do not want people to be under any illusions that if you find the thing that suddenly resistance is no longer a problem no because it is all it is like we kind of said in the beginning like it is a constant struggle however when you can identify it and like you said when you have a why and when you know what it is that you want to do and why you're doing it. And when you have made the commitment to turn pro, then you, it's like, you don't, it just, it just becomes a thing where it's like you, it's just not really like a choice anymore. You just don't yield. And that doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it, any easier it's still extremely fucking difficult and it doesn't but mean it's you won't much fail more simple and yield now and then yeah and you're good yeah there's like again it's a it's a lifelong struggle yeah. but i think you know it's like by, by naming the beast by put by by under like by understanding what it actually is and what its function is we have a lot more power to overcome it and again like i mean at the root of it it's it's like it starts with our own awareness right just the fact that we realize uh that we're engaging in all of these activities so that we don't actually have to do the thing that we know that we need to do that we've been thinking about and talking about doing for fucking years, the fucking manuscript that's hidden in the desk. The podcast the, that took two years to actually get our first recording out. Yeah. Uh, per, I mean, perfect example. And, you know, it's funny because um, I, I asked Vagar about resistance in our in our interview. And I asked him, like, how he succumbs to it. And he just told me how he how he smashes it <laughs> instead. I was like, "That's fucking awesome!" But like, um, and the re the reason why I think about this is is because he mentioned uh, like scheduling the time to do the thing, mm. and that made me that reminded me that that's how we did the first podcast. Like, we were talking about it for fucking years until it was just like, dude, this Saturday, what are you doing on Saturday? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, nothing. Let's fucking do it. And then we did it. And now we've, dude, we've done, we've almost been doing this for a year, dude. We got like 40 episodes. 
Oh, we've almost got 50. Oh my god. We're getting insane. we're getting up there. I mean, for, for everything now that everything we've recorded, we're over 50. I've just got to release them. Right, you with people, all the with all the guest spots and everything. Yeah. Yeah, you people have got some great great stuff coming up with the guests. Oh man. So um dude, and this thing here, I, I think I, I really want to talk with you about, because, you know, we talked a lot about uh, the War of Art and resistance is a big part of that. And, you know, we haven't talked to, we, we've kind of given little hints here and there, uh, but we haven't talked about turning pro. Yeah. Well, I was, I was and, saving it. <laughs> I was just teasing him, teasing him a tad. Yeah, so I think we should just fucking jump into it because, like, that is basically, it's really cool because that's Pressfield's, like, that's the answer Yeah. to resistance. It's the continuation. The answer, the answer is turning pro. Like, that's how we kind of overcome resistance in a sense and also why so what does that mean how and why yeah so turning pro in the context of what Stephen Pressfield is talking about is um I would I would say it's defined by by two things one it's a dropping of amateurish habits and attitudes and two it is making whatever it is that you're turning pro as the central focus of your life and the two go together the they're they're very similar maybe not quite the same but they're a close venn diagram yeah so and, it, and and that's uh, the reason I wanted to say that is be, it's to distinguish it between making money because although making money is a sort of side goal of turning pro, it's not the central focus. Um, the the central focus is making whatever it is. Yeah, it's not the actual thing that makes you a pro in in his kind of framework. Yeah. Um, it's an important step, and you know taking some money and working for money it's an important step and i think that the, kind of the point is is that yeah if, if it's going to be a sustainable it, then you the money will come at least to a degree what you need yeah but it's not the point well yeah that's the thing is like if you can if you yeah the only reason why money is even a factor is it allows you to do the thing yeah Right, like if if you make money from it, then you can just put all of your focus on it, and you don't have to do other bullshit, right? Yeah. And so I think that was really really well put. Uh, but but it's also like, again, like just the the book. It's so well done because yeah. it goes into all of these different examples about, like, you know. Uh, contrasting the the amateur and the professional and so i think it would be fun to 
go into like some of the ones that kind of stuck out to us. Yeah. Um, and one of the ones that really fucking hit close to home for me was, um, he was, he was talking about the, like the relationship between the addict and the artist. And it was, it was just so, so interesting because, you know, I've, I've dealt with addiction, um, as soon as I had the autonomy to be addicted to things in my, with my own kind of actions, but like, me too, buddy. you know, me too. yeah, but like, you know, the, with this comparison, okay, so at first glance, the addict and the artist, like what, what does that what is what is that what do they have to do with each other right well and he kind of goes on to describe well first of all they both well it's interesting cuz generally they're um sensitive people like uh, pretty, like more highly sensitive than than um the average person but at the base they both deal with the pain of being human right like there is an innate suffering and pain with being a human however they they deal with them in very different ways right so the addict uses whatever substance to either anesthetize themselves or to try to transcend the suffering by getting high that's maybe where that word comes from right like to rise above the the pain yeah <laughs> uh and then the artist deals with that through seeking the divine in creation through seeking themselves and you know i just and he he goes into this really deep. He has a full like maybe even couple of chapters that kind of go into this thing, but to me it just it just hit close to home, man, because addiction has been like a huge uh source of resistance for me. And I find that when I'm not on the path and like doing the things that I know uh, that I need to do on this creative journey, I tend towards these kind of like addictive behaviors, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> the artist in the addict one was really interesting and you know, I obviously agree with everything that you're saying. And for me, I think that addiction is one of those things like resistance that is very ubiquitous to humans. And I think that these two go hand in hand. And I think that you could probably write an entire book just on that comparison. 
between, um, you know, creation and addiction because addiction is really just compulsive consumption. That's pretty much what it is. Where you mm. you don't have control over the consumption of something, and if you don't have the capability to consume it, you will go to great lengths to get that capability to consume it. And even if it's way outside of what you and your normal consciousness would deem acceptable behavior. So we've actually talked about this a little bit before, the difference between creation and consumption. And I think that, that these things go really well together and, and um, addiction, there's, I think that there's so much that goes into that that is antithetical to creation and is, um, I mean, I think that addiction and resistance are best buddies, basically. <laughs> And it's probably the easiest way for for resistance to manifest itself. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a struggle, man. Yeah. So my it's... favorite comparison here between the two, um, I really liked the part where he was describing the like confidence the self-doubt thing hmm. so the the gist of it was that as an artist or as a creator or as a an entrepreneur or as a any of these things going through a diet going through an exercise regime everything um, you can get this to this place of self-doubt where you don't think that you're capable or maybe you don't think you have any business doing it. Like, you're not worthy of doing the thing that you're trying to do. And what he was talking about is that that sort of feeling is actually a good sign if you're trying to become a pro because somebody who's trying to turn pro and even pros themselves, they feel that self-doubt. And if you are an amateur, if you're actually the person you're worried about being, which is an, you know, a, a bullshit artist that doesn't really have any business being there, those kinds of people are actually wildly self-confident and have all mm. this false sense of their own worth and capability. So if you do go into something and you are working hard and you do experience a lot of self-doubt and um, worthiness issues, that's actually a really good sign that you're doing what you should be doing. And that you are... You are, what yeah. you doubt yeah. that you think you can become. Yes. That, yeah, that really, that hit me super hard as well. And, and you know, right with that, he also talked about fear. 
Yeah. And really similarly, like, and this is something that I've actually mentioned before. I didn't remember that it was from uh, Turning Pro. I think I actually kind of caught on to this idea before I uh, read that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of this idea that, like, fear is is a compass that points us to the exact thing that we need to fucking do basically uh especially nowadays most fear to open holds the treasure that you seek exactly so obviously there's a fear response associated with like immediate danger that um Sometimes it's better to, like, run if you're, you know, facing some sort of dangerous beast. Um, <laughs> you know, a lion or whatever, like, in real life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, more in, like, the metaphorical sense, right? Like, you know, one of, one of those... Facing the most dangerous of beasts. Demons. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, you know, perfect example, uh, one of the most, I, I still remember this, one of the most terrified I've been in a long time was uh, right before going up on stage at an open mic to sing a song. Yeah. And I was so fucking terrified. I was shaking. I was literally shaking. And I managed to have some courage and act in spite of my fear. And it ended up being one of the most beautiful and gratifying experiences of my life. And it was completely life-changing for me. And it's, it was just beautiful. Uh, so that was just like a very concrete example of this thing that I was so scared of. And I, and I, that's how I knew that I had to do it. Yeah. And if any of you out there try any kind of artistic pursuit, you're going to experience this stuff. I just guarantee it. Even if you're a badass like Vagar Cosmo and you're a resistance fighting champion, I promise you, if you talk to these guys about it, you know, they'll experience resistance in some place in their life. And it just, it's a, it's a never-ending battle no matter who you are. And if it doesn't come out in your art, if you're a badass at, at dealing with it there, it'll come out in some other way. You won't, it'll come out in your physical health. It'll come out in your relationships. That's another thing where resistance pops up is managing a healthy relationship with your spouse or partner and or your children and it's it's so easy to pat ourselves on the back when we do something good in this particular space and I do and I think that it's important to give yourself a quick pat on the back if it's something that you know it's you haven't been able to do you know i can give myself a pat on the back if i finish up a painting i've been working on for a while or if i work on the podcast like i will be doing after this but it's a quick pat 
and it's in the full recognition that it's about that that resistance is about to pop up in some other way very quickly it's not going to take very long for it to come back and rear its ugly head again so i think that it's it's really important to recognize this concept concept and stay on your toes even if you do manage to cross that threshold of becoming a pro Stephen Pressfield talks about this like he he doesn't let his guard down on resistance. He knows that even though he's a professional author now, he's he's got a lot of success, but he is still always on guard and always fighting that battle against resistance. And in upholding his position as a pro because that's another thing. I think that if you become a pro and you become lax all of a sudden that's that's how has-beens are made right there somebody gets comfortable in their position of being great and then lets it all go yeah dude a hundred percent i think that's such a good point like it's we can never fucking let our guard down it doesn't matter how much experience we have it doesn't matter like how even oh i've decided i'm fucking turning pro like it's it's an everyday struggle and you know this actually makes me think of another thing uh that he mentioned kind of contrasting the pro to the amateur and it's like if you're gonna turn pro at something you're fucking in it for the long haul yeah right so yeah you're gonna fuck up you're gonna fall. You're gonna fall from grace. You're gonna. You're gonna have a shitty day. You're gonna have a shitty week, a shitty month. But you don't fucking let it get you down because you're just gonna try again tomorrow. And and there's something. I don't know. It's really cool because he he brings a lot of this kind of Campbellian. Um, concepts into the war of art and like you know literally bring talking about the hero's journey and it really is it's fucking heroic man it's like it's 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 um it's so worth doing and you know it is this thing of going out into the unknown and finding the treasure we seek which at the end of the day lies within our own soul (laughs) and bringing back the riches that we find and sharing it with the community you know and so i mean that's a big that's a huge part of the vision of this podcast you know that's that's why we're here we are on this fucking journey of turning pro and we want to help support and engage with anyone else who is doing the same and who has made the commitment because it's not just for yourself it's for everyone that you know everyone that they know because every you know the decisions that we make radiate outward as ripples on a pond and this shit isn't it's not it's not it's no joke 
This is serious shit, man. But that doesn't mean that it can't be fun. Well, that uh, that gets me into what I something I wanted to ask you, Hank. Because our dear Hank here is taking some steps along the path to professional hood. And I've been really loving all this because I I have gotten to witness your um your growth as a person and an artist and a musician and um you know finally at long last a podcaster the final goal you've you've made it hank you're doing a podcast with me the magnanimous nate but in all seriousness you have been taking some real steps towards becoming a professional musician and you have been doing the work for a long time and i i have seen the the products of your work we've we've done a, a tad bit of stuff together but for the you have just gotten so much better and and made so many improvements and learned so much and i think that you have to me you it's been really inspiring to see you embody this journey of all right i'm going to take my music seriously because i do want to turn pro i do want to do this and so i wanted to get into you a little bit about how you how you're feeling now how you're feeling now versus how you felt at the very beginning of when you decided that you wanted to make music and maybe maybe in between there when you, maybe you decided you wanted to make music professionally so yeah the main difference now is like so in the beginning when you first start a a new endeavor like for me when i first started playing music i was just completely blown away and filled with a sense of wonder and excitement about like holy shit i can't believe i didn't get into this before and it's just like wow uh, just opening all the doors and seeing what's inside and being like, wow, this is fucking cool. And, you know, now it's like, it has, I still, I gotta say, I still have a lot of fun and I still love playing music and I'm still very curious and I want to learn a lot. But the main difference now, honestly, is like, it's it's a lot more like work to get better um in terms of you know when i when you first start it's like you can feel a difference every day each day that i played i got, i was getting better and like so you kind of have this astronomical rise in the in the beginning when you cuz there's cuz you don't know anything at all and, you know, now it's like, 
it's it's a lot more difficult to improve technically and to like isolate the things that I need to improve on. Um, so that's that's something that that's a little bit different now. Like it's you know, and I, and I still have these. You know, I'll have moments where I go back to that place of wonder and just like, oh my god, this is so amazing. But it's like now, it's like I know how much I don't know. Whereas in the beginning, I just I didn't even know how much I didn't know. I just knew I was ignorant. But now I know how much I don't know. I know like, wow, I am so fucking ignorant. <laughs> yeah. That's a good place uh, to be. And though. that's like a well-documented phenomenon when learning anything really. Yeah. It's called Mount stupid. Uh, so it just feels different. You know, it's for, I'm, I'm, um, you know, it's like, I'm starting to get into the like, I mean, I'm still, I'm still kind of like an apprentice in, in certain, certain aspects of, of my game for sure. But I'm starting to like reach into the like journeyman, um, status, you know, like I, I I'm starting to yeah. kind of, uh, I, I'm starting to feel more comfortable so tell me a little bit about how you feel about the business side of things because that's a whole nother level that you have to get into as a professional that I think that you may hmm. not enjoy quite as much as the actual music making side. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the business side that you're having to start to get into. Yeah, so dude, I've barely even scratched the surface on that to be honest like i'm just starting to even consider that as a thing like with recent developments it's like okay i actually might be able to make music for a living uh if things if things yeah. like continue in the direction that they're going so i haven't uh, I mean, it's something I've kind of had in the back of my mind for a while now, but it definitely, it just changes the game completely because, you know, uh, of course, it's like I, because there's, there's so much you need to learn in terms of, and we've found this with the podcast, you know, with like, okay, now there's social media marketing and there's like branding and there's, and there's all this different stuff, but like, it's also, you know, I am really trying to make sure to keep the music insulated from all of that. You know what I mean? Because I, to me, like the, the music is sacred and I don't want it to be affected by the business stuff yeah. or by like any outside influences. That's you know tricky. what I mean? Like, yeah, so... So that just, it just makes it more complicated, you know? It just makes it more, like, um, 
yeah, it's it's more of a multidisciplinary kind of thing, right? So it's like it's not just about being able to play guitar well or sing well or write songs well. It's about being able to interact with other people in the industry and being able to network and make connections and being able to use uh, the technology to facilitate the sharing of the work and all kinds of and fucking uh, like um licensing shit and distribution and i mean it's a whole it's it, it just makes it way more complicated um but it's also very interesting it's it's um it's a whole nother thing yeah to learn. it's yeah, exactly. It's a whole nother bunch of different things to learn. And, you know, it's a it's it's very interesting because, you you know, you really want to strike the balance once you start getting to that point, like because, you know, I'm getting advice from various contacts and it's like, oh, you got to fucking start a Twitter and you got to fucking blah, blah, blah. you got to shave like, your mustache. Yes. Yeah. No. All this different stuff. Now like my boy okay, doesn't yeah, look like sure. a train heist villain. I'm pissed. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, yeah, all of that stuff. Okay. It makes sense. But it's also so easy to just turn into the fucking person who's sitting on Twitter all day and fucking wasting all this time because they're like working on develop, you know, like, um, developing their fucking profile or whatever. And then they're not even playing music anymore. Like, yeah. Uh, so I I know I've I've heard a lot of different people have like fallen into this thing where like once it gets to a certain point they just start focusing on all this other shit that at the end of the day like doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters, but to me the music is so much more important, but it, but it's also it's really tough because it's like okay, so the music's important, but like okay, if I can do this for a living, like, then I need to do all this other shit and that will allow me to put more time in making music, right? <laughs> if a Hank plays so guitar kind of a double in the woods thing. and no one is around to, to hear it, does he get a paycheck? No. The answer is unfortunately. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there does have to be a marketing and business aspect to it. And it's it's tough. And, you know, we're doing the same thing with the podcast where, you know, we want to make a good podcast and we work really hard to make a good podcast. But you also got to get listeners. You know, you got to get people to listen to the thing. And, and hopefully people, when they listen to it, they enjoy it and they spend some more time with us. And maybe down the road we can monetize it in some way, hopefully in, a, in an organic way that's more voluntary. But... You know, the whole point is to, like, make something that is enjoyable enough to, to people that they value it in monetary terms so that you can make it full time and that you can, and through that, you can make it as good as it can possibly be. You know, that's the goal of the monetary professional artist. As I said before, it's not the goal of, of being a pro in general. The goal of being a pro in general, I think, is... is making what your passion is the singular focus of your life but 
as far as the the monetary side things thing goes, sometimes that's important. That's an important step in making it your central focus of your life. You can't really make it your central focus of your life if you're having to work a nine to five all the time and you're having to spend a shitload of time doing that and thinking about that. So it's a step along the path. Indeed. So, people, Hank is having a little bit of technical difficulties. So we're going to wrap this thing up. I think we've hit all the all the points. Yeah, dude. This was uh this was fun. I I wish I could have heard more of your <laughs> inspirational talk um monologue i guess uh but i got i got the general idea i tell it to you all the time I, i'm always trying to encourage you that's why i'm going that, to bud. get credits in his album when it comes out right now that, that, yeah. that's how it goes right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're you're paid uh you're paid employees um by that, I, your paid clients and collaborators might take issue with that. You can't just throw your buddy's name on there because he was a swell guy. <laughs> and I'll be there. Oh. I'll be there to argue the point with him. You don't have to. Don't worry. I'll be in contract negotiations outside the window, holding cue cards, making my points. <laughs> I'm going to ride those coattails. Well, that's... <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to be putting on one of those fucking penguin suits, so I'm going to try to <laughs> try to max out those. Give me a nice... <laughs> something to hang on to. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, I love you, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Love you, too, bro. Thank you, guys. There it is, people. We've been wanting to do that one for a while. So happy to talk about Resistance and the work of Stephen Pressfield. And you can expect to hear more references to him and his books in the future. Thanks again for listening. And we hope to see you next week.